0: We've put together a brand new sample of RAR Premium. So if you've been on the fence about joining us inside RAR Premium, you can get a free sample now to see if it's a good fit for your family. To get that free sample, go to readaloudrevival.com slash sample or just text the word sample, like it's all squished together in one word, <laughs> sample to the number 33777. Okay, here's the show. You are two minutes away from a fantastic personal book recommendation. Go to readaloudrevival.com slash quiz to get a free personal recommendation from me. You'll answer three super quick questions, and I recommend a couple of books I think will be excellent for your kids' ages and interests. That's readaloudrevival.com slash quiz, or just text the word quiz to the number 33777. It's free it's fast and it's kind of addicting. (laughs) See you there. You're listening to the Read Aloud Revival Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah McKenzie, homeschooling mama of six and author of The Read Aloud Family and Teaching from Rest. As parents, we're overwhelmed with a lot to do. It feels like every child needs something different. The good news is, You are the best person to help your kids learn and grow, and home is the best place to fall in love with books. This podcast has been downloaded 7 million times in over 160 countries, so if you want to nurture warm relationships while also raising kids who love to read, you're in good company. We'll help your kids fall in love with books, and we'll help you fall in love with homeschooling. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Read Aloud Revival. Sarah McKenzie here, delighted to be with you today. Today, I have a friend of mine on the show, a friend and a mentor, someone who I know so many of you love and look up to. In Read Aloud Revival Premium, we are constantly talking about how much we love the work and inspiration of Sally Clarkson, and she's here to join me on the show today to talk about homeschooling. And so I am really excited to chat with her. Sally, welcome back to Read Aloud Revival.
1: I love being here. We've had so much fun.
0: So basically, listeners, what happened is Sally and I were chatting for her podcast on At Home with Sally, and we wanted to keep going. So we are going to keep going here on the show. But if you want to hear the beginning of our conversation, and I highly recommend it, so inspiring for anybody who's parenting or teaching children right now, then you want to go listen to that episode. And we'll put a link to it in the show notes as well. Sally, before we keep going with our conversation, maybe you can tell uh, my listeners a little bit about your life and work and
1: your family. I live in Colorado sometimes and overseas sometimes because I have four of my five um, adult children, including my son-in-law, <laughs> um, who are studying in the UK or are are working in the UK and in, in England and Scotland. And uh, two of them are finishing their PhDs there my daughter Sarah finished her master's of theology in Oxford. And, um, and Nathan, my son, is uh, a film producer and actor, and he also writes books too in New York City. Just a pack and- of underachievers over there at the Clarkson House. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I wasn't, I never really thought of us as achievers. I just thought of us as readers. uh, And then I cared about character, and I cared about God. And so there you are. But um, no, I think that they are just excited about their lives. And also, they have to pay their bills. So, um, you know, that kind of motivates people too.
0: (laughs) It sure does. Well, you've got a new book out, Awaking Wonder. um, And this is a book I highly recommend. I'm looking for the uh, subtitle here. Awaking Wonder, Opening Your Child's Heart to the Beauty of Learning. And for anybody who is spending time with children right now. This is a book you want to have on your shelf. Uh, but one of the things you flesh out in this book, Sally, is you talk about raising kids to be treasure seekers, which I think you're describing as you're talking about your kids, you know, motivated mm-hmm. by curiosity and wonder and and then also having the skills to tackle life and to be lifelong learners. And mm-hmm. I think that's a hard thing to hold on to in the middle of a homeschool day when when maybe we're not feeling like we're doing the best job homeschooling. We can't really see the fruit of our labor. We talked about this on the first part of our conversation on your show. So Mm -hmm. I would like to just revisit, how did you hold on to your vision of raising treasure seekers when you were, you know, neck deep (laughs) in homeschooling and parenting?
1: You know, I I don't know whether to blame it on myself or not, but um, I was probably quite bored during a lot of school in that, um, I always had questions, I loved exploring, I loved thinking, and I finally eventually learned to be quiet so that I wouldn't get in trouble, but I was always relieved when school was out. And um, actually, I was, uh, kind of go through this in the book, but I was living in Vienna, Austria with Clay. Clay and I were, my husband, were working at um, an international chapel there. We had 40 different nations in our um, church because the United Nations, the second largest United Nations is in Vienna, Austria. So there's this huge in, uh, United Nations area where we worked, and um, and so we were we had these lunches at our house um, on Sundays and uh, after church, and we had uh, a guy who was from Iraq who had crawled under a barbed wire fence and escaped from his country, he didn't have a passport, so he had trouble there. We had an opera singer, um, somebody who played in the Vienna Philharmonic. We had two Russian business. Um, businessmen. We had um, people who were the attachés from South Africa. And they were all sitting there at, at, you know, I had some chicken and rice and strong tea or something like that. And as they were sitting there talking, and they were talking about, uh, you know, operas and artists and music and politics and traditions and their countries and all. And I remembered sitting there thinking, I would love to know more. I I wish I had known all these things. And I graduated from college. I had lived in multiple countries, so I could speak part of four languages. And I was sitting there thinking, I have never been educated. (laughs) And I thought, there is so much to be excited about in life. And so, really, that's when the germ of wanting to do something differently with my kids. I thought, uh, children are made with different personalities, with different... Uh, drives, um, with different interests. And so I thought, how can I so create my home into a place of resource that I will be able to feed them on the best material that there is in life, the best artists, the best writers, the best musicians. And so the funny thing is, is that that was such a deep conviction for me because I had always been so bored in school. Mm hmm. And also for my husband. Um, uh, And so we both just said, I wonder if there's a different way. And um, we, you know, we ourselves began reading some books and stories and, you know, kind of had some interesting people in our lives. And then I learned in Europe that people in the educational system there um, are much more essay driven. By that I mean, they'll read something, discuss it, and then the test isn't fill in the blank or multiple choice. The test is... Um, write about the, the what you learned in this book, write about the three principles that you drew out of it. And so I thought, oh, that would really require somebody to engage and think and give their own assessment. Mm-hmm. I kind of came back and... Um, and the, the, the hardest part for me was housework. <laughs> yeah, well, the hardest part for me was when they said, he touched my toe, you know, when you're <laughs> reading one of the greatest stories ever told. <laughs> yeah. And so it wasn't hard for me as an idealist, because after I started doing this for several years, you know, I, I would use a little bit of Charlotte Mason or a little bit of classical or a little bit of this and that, and finally just made my own because I realized all you need to do is read, disciple, train character, and, um, you know, do a math year or whatever. But it wasn't hard for me to keep the ideals up because I was so enjoying learning and being exposed to these great ideas for the first time in my life. It was just hard to keep being a mom and keep the housework going and keep, you know, in other words, I had to really stretch my character to learn how to do what I'd never been trained to do, which is run a house, train children, and keep food on the table.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the things I appreciate most when you talk about homeschooling is that it's... it's very geared toward the actual kids, you know, instead of being purist to any one educational philosophy. So I think that for a lot of us, there is a pull for us to put a stake in the ground and say, you know, I'm a Charlotte Mason homeschooler, or, or I'm I use the classical model, or whatever, whatever it right, is. Right. And one of the questions I know you get a lot because we get it a lot is, how do I teach my kids? What do I do? And so you have these four adult children who are well read. They're all writers. They love God. And so when people say, what do I do for curriculum? What's your answer?
1: Talk to Sarah McKenzie. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, I do try to lead people to wonderful resources like you. You, you, you teach people about what are good books to read. The thing is, we in our book, Educating the Wholehearted Child, really talked a lot more about what does this process look like? And we had book lists at the end of it. It, it, it takes a while. It's 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 taking a risk, you know. It's like stepping out in faith. You, you have to believe in in the fact that it works, and then if you practice it, I, I'm sure you've come across this here. Have you ever just sometimes been sitting with your children, having a magical moment because you entered into this world together of imagination or of history or of a biography, or and you really cared about the people and the and you cared about the characters, and you just had such great discussions and. And you're sitting there and you're going, this is a miracle. This Mm -hmm. is so important. This matters so much. Mm -hmm. Or you're all huddled together. I give this little story at the beginning of the book. Under sleeping bags, watching shooting stars together. Or you're down at a soup kitchen serving meals, and you have these wonderful conversations about what would it be like if we didn't have a home? And look how much we have to give. And so I feel like as I was captured into the magic of a a home that was filled with wonder and imagination and discovery, because I wanted to learn that um, after a few years, I was astounded at the things that my children were saying that I had never thought until I entered into this world with them.
0: So good. It feels like, well, actually, maybe we should talk about that, because I'm curious how you'd describe the difference between being a mentor and what we usually think of being as a teacher, because of the, what you're describing is so much Mentor is exactly the word that comes to mind that makes me feel like, oh, that's what I want. I want to be my children's mentor. But how is mentoring different from teaching, do you think?
1: Um well I, I looked up the etymology of education and I found out that for one thing, education it really encompasses the whole person. Like you know, sending someone out and it's sending them out with a with a healthy spiritual foundation, with a healthy emotional foundation, with a healthy character, understanding with a healthy intellect, with a healthy, you know, it's the whole person. So that helped me a lot to realize, okay, so to educate, even in the days of Plato and Socrates and everybody else was about the shaping of a whole person. You know, I just loved pondering the life of Christ. He was my mentor. And, you know, he taught me everything I know. Um, and so he said that the student will be like his teacher. Mm-hmm. And so in the book, I talk a lot about this because I don't think anybody's ever talked about this enough. Um, your children are going to be drawing from you every day, all the time. And I like to say to women, are you the person you hope your child will become? Because Jesus said your child becomes like his teacher. And I was realizing that, um, you know, I, I, I thought I need to make goals for myself. I need to be growing intellectually. I need to be, be have goals emotionally so that I am kinder more patient, more gentle, that I'm life giving to people, I need to be growing, um, you know, in my character, I need to work a little bit harder, because I want my children to learn how to work. And so what I'm always telling people at a mentor, is someone who looks into the personality and the life of the child, and says, I believe that there is endless potential, I believe that you've been made your own fingerprints, your own DNA uniquely, I believe there is imagination to unearth. There are strengths there that I just need to help you develop in. I believe that the story you're going to tell in a lifetime is really going to be amazing because you were touched and designed by the God who threw the stars into place. So uh, our, our understanding of teacher is just somebody who covers a certain amount of limited facts during a certain time in the day, and then they give them tests. But a mentor... Is somebody and I, I look at I look at Plato and Socrates. I look at Tolkien and Lewis. I look at Helen Keller and um, what, what was, uh, Annie um, Sullivan. Sullivan. Yeah, yeah. I look at history, and I, I mean Michelangelo was mentored. And I I look at history and I I think, oh, God made us to be relational people, and when we can be in the company of somebody who loves me, believes in me, and is growing along beside me. I didn't know all these things when I first became my children's mentor, but we learned it together because as I was reading them books, I finally became educated. Um, and, And so a mentor is somebody who understands that your relationship with your child and the way that you believe in them, speak to them, honor them as a human being, um, draw out their unique strengths. That is really what what we are called to do as parents. It's really based on who are you? Do you have excellence to draw out of? Are you filling up your cup? I'm always talking about tea parties, you know And <laughs> <Yeah, I know. laughs> whatever when you when you put something inside of a teapot, what is inside of it is what is going to be poured out. And so I always say to people, what is inside? of your soul if i could see your soul and i'm going to be talking about this i'm doing a free conference about the book and on the 20th we're going to give it free for 10 days it's going to be 10 10 sessions and Mm -hmm. i part of what i'm talking about is becoming an excellent person so that who your children are drawing from is an excellent person so that's kind of what i mean by mentor and a mentor is is focused on the action the energy that it requires to speak forward, to garner this trust, to to um, coach. I child.
0: love this so much. It actually, so you said, you know, a teacher is going to cover a certain amount of material or a certain topic. And what I think I'm hearing you say is that a mentor uncovers it. So it's like uncovering it together. So instead of saying, okay, this morning, it's Tuesday morning at 10, which is when we do history, so I'm going to cover. The causes of the Civil War. That is what we're going to talk about today. Instead, a mentor sits on the same side of the table, metaphorically speaking, right? And says, let's find out together more about this. Which takes so much pressure off of busy moms and dads who have too much to do and a lot on their plate, but who can sit on the same side of the table with their kids and say, let's find out together, which is a completely different paradigm
1: than... And plus, it gives your children time to play. There's so many resources available now, um, from videos to, uh, you know, and I'm not not saying just do videos, but I'm saying there are historical things, artistic things, there's toys, there's games, there's puzzles, there's go outside, there's dress up boxes, we talk a lot about this. There's so many ways that, especially as working moms, um, and, and just busy moms, that you can make your home such a place of resource, and then talk about it at the end of the day or before they go to bed or whatever Um, you know there are many ways to shape a child but if you aren't mentoring them you're probably not capturing their heart and their heart is where they're motivated to engage in real thinking
0: a lot of voices might tell you that you need to learn how to get better at homeschooling but I know something about you you don't actually need to homeschool better You need to homeschool happier, to have more fun, to smile more, laugh more. You want a twinkle in your eye (laughs) and you want your kids to know deep in their bones that you love homeschooling them. That twinkle is worth pursuing too, because the key to a successful homeschool is a peaceful, happy mother. And that's what we're committed to helping you become at RER Premium. RAR Premium is a unique program that offers mentoring for you, the homeschool mom, and we offer Open and Go Family Book Club. This is a family book club you can use with all ages from 4 to 17, and it will explore language arts, reading, and we often dip into writing, science, history, all across the curriculum as we uncover so many good and meaningful ideas. The best news is we do all the prep work for you. If you'd like to get a free sample of RAR Premium so you can see if it's a good fit for your family, head to readaloudrevival.com slash sample, or you can just text R-A-R sample, one word, to the number 33777, and we'll send it your way. Now back to the show. when I first started homeschooling, I expected those moments that you're talking about, those magical moments to Uh happen every day. And so when they didn't, I thought I was doing something wrong. And so what Mm -hmm. I want, I wish I could go back and tell myself is, you know, a lot of it just feels like getting through a normal day. It doesn't feel magical every day. And that doesn't mean you're doing something wrong.
1: Right, right. And I think, you know, I kind of fell in love with mothering more as I went. Hmm. Like, in other words, once I once I realized I didn't need to be neurotic, I, I needed to love them. Yeah. I, that they were yes. going to learn anyway. Um, you know what I mean? I mean, as I start seeing my children growing and becoming, um, I look back and I think, I wish I hadn't been so crazy. I wish I hadn't been so stressed out. Right. I wish I had looked in, in my, where I am right now, because you're right in the thick of it. You have all these 10,000 children in your house. but I do. <laughs> um, I sit and look at, next, you know, Joy and Joel are at home right now. They're both doing their PhDs in, in um. Scotland, and I sit there, and I look in Joy's eyes, and I hear what she's learning, and I just think, this is the best. I love being your friend. I love being close. Let's talk more, and um, Joel, they're they're both musicians, and so Joel will sit down and start playing the piano, or you know, they'll start singing. He's a composer, and um, I just go, wow, this is the best, and so it's, it's like you said, if you, I just wish I had not Wasted some of the time fretting or being angry about the dishes. I do wish wish I'd had a maid.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about real regrets here. Um, Speaking of Joy, who is your youngest daughter, and she's working on her Ph.D. right now, right? Right, Uh uh-huh. I recently saw her post uh, on social media. I'm going to put the link to the post in the show notes. But she was talking about a take on homeschooling because so many of us around the world that weren't, you know, a lot of people who weren't homeschooling before are now thinking about homeschooling or at least educating their kids in some fashion to some degree at home. And she, it was, her post was so refreshing. I loved her insight that a, a homeschooling parent's reliance on curriculum is actually based
1: on fear. Can yeah. you
0: speak to that a little bit? Like, what is that? When I say that, what does that bring up for you?
1: Well, I think that you know, because we were never taught to do this and because we we have a reference point in our own background and it's usually some kind of curriculum or whatever, I think that we automatically assume that we have to do what was done to us. Even though we step out and we say we're gonna do this very idealistic thing, then we tend to revert back to what we knew. But I think that um, I think that joy joy is also a teacher right now she's a professor Mm -hmm. and she's teaching um at her university undergraduates and um she said you know you can really tell the kids that were just checking off a box and um just doing what was required and then the kids who loved learning and education and thinking and they're they're inspired and she said i think fear of not doing enough has has a fruit of um of, of reductivity, it reduces knowledge just to multiple choice, fill in the blanks. It, it wow. has a, a, a kind of a sense of I'm going to pressure you. You've got to do these ten things. And um, fear is not a great um, producer of great fruit. You know, in other words, wherever you start and move forward is how you're going to end. Hmm. And so, if you are choking your children and saying you have to diagram that sentence. <laughs> Um, You know, because it says in the book that you have to do 25 sentences, Um, then who wouldn't go, well, uh, okay, but you know, I mean, if you think that's education, then and you're doing it by fear, because you're you're afraid of missing something, then you're not going to capture the delight that is inside every person, Mm -hmm. the desire to know and to figure out. And so I, I Joy was actually referring to um, somebody died recently who had correct who had created this whole um, this whole set of curriculum that many people use in the home education movement for many years and um, and she knows a lot of kids who fell away from their parents' values and thoughts because it was so limiting to them. Mm. And so it came out of the articles that she had been reading about this person because, this person was very indoctrinating and very legalistic, mm-hmm. but there was very little life-giving or um, ideas or interest or um, scope or dimension in the way that this curriculum was written. And so, unfortunately, people depended on the curriculum out of fear instead of trusting their own um, resources to be able to grow forward in unearthing imagination and interest and ideas along with their children.
0: Well, in that social media post, that same one Joy mentions, the antidote being to that as homeschooling parents, we have this great privilege to, uh, quote, cooperate with natural curiosity. I was walking through these woods during my home, and I kept thinking about that phrase Mm -hmm. over and over, cooperate with natural curiosity. And I think it's actually the verb cooperate that gets my attention so much, because I think for a lot of us, especially a lot of people who are listening to this podcast, following their children's interests, reading lots of books, providing a feast of ideas through read alouds and library visits is, we're used to that. But, but that cooperation with natural curiosity is, I think, where we get it, there's like a hitch there because we are constantly self doubting that what we're doing is enough you know we we think to ourselves what whatever i'm doing is not enough and cooperating with natural curiosity Mm -hmm. is really the key to that like just cooperating with what's going to happen naturally when we Mm -hmm. open books with our kids when we when we open ourselves up to the opportunity to have conversations with our kids right um actually i want to i know we're running short on time sally and i want to make sure i ask you this question um because one of the questions we hear a lot at Read Aloud Revival is, what should I do after I read aloud? And I, I noticed in, in Awaking Wonder on uh, page 127, you wrote, having a good romp outdoors after our reading times gave everyone a time to breathe, to enter into the recesses of their own mind palace, as Sherlock Holmes suggests. Mm-hmm. We do not tell our children what to think at this point. We trust them to access the knowledge they have been presented, discussed and understood and synthesized. Creative outlets of their own making make play an important part of their accessing what they have thought and experienced and giving them time to wonder alone.
1: You know, in the same way that a child learns English or whatever language you're teaching them by three years old, over a thousand vocabulary words without a single bit of curriculum. That children who are four years old ask over a hundred questions a day. Um, why are frogs green instead of purple? Why does the puppy dog lick instead of um, bite? You know, it's because within them is is they they have this drive to learn and to know. And so when we um, when we sit our kids around, us, sometimes you eat popcorn if that distracts them, you know, so that they'll listen or or you whatever you do, you cuddle up. Everybody get out your blankets and cuddle up on the couch whatever you do to kind of outline that book in a, in a positive way that builds the rhythm of them wanting to do it, then you have to trust that their little brains are still going, and they're going to chew on that great story that you read to them for a while. And so um, actually, that's why they say that if you if you are taking a test tomorrow, um, and you, um, you study it, you know, during the day or whatever, they said that in your sleep, your brain naturally accesses the knowledge that it was exposed to and synthesizes it into realistic ideas mm. and and so that's what happens with children um they they go out they play you give them a pretend box of uh, play clothes that you got at goodwill and talk about it at, at the dinner table that night what did you learn what did you think what did you love what did you hate what and become a question asker and show interest in your children don't make it an assignment go you know i don't think i like that book as much as i thought. Or this is one of my favorite books we've read. And then you ask them, you say, I value so much what you think. Yes. What What did you think about this or, or, or you know, whatever. And so I, I think it's, um, you know, you, you read, you give them time to ponder and to think about it. You engage. And then at the end of that, you ask them to summarize. Maybe you'll have them write a poem or, or a little story or just narrate back to you what they're thinking. And those steps are what really deeply put these ideas into the hearts of our children. And so it's not a real formal process. It's more of a relational process.
0: I love this so much. It's just another way that we can invite our kids and our families into into a waking wonder, just like the title of your book says, which I think we can all get on board with. Sally, thank you so very much for joining me. I always love chatting with you.
1: Oh, I just feel like we're such kindred spirits and if only we live next door. Or oh, at least
0: <laughs> we'd never get anything done. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my goodness.
0: Now it's time for Let the Kids Speak. I love this part of the podcast because kids share the books that they've been loving lately.
2: Hi, my name is Zoe. and I'm reading Aspen. And my favorite book is Pancakes for Breakfast, and by Tommy Bell. How old are you? Two. And why do you like pancakes for breakfast? Because I really like it, because I like it, because I like it. Hi, my name is Zoe, and I like the Dancing Bears in the Dark, and I'm four. And i live in in West Virginia. And what's your name? Abby. And how old are you, Abby? Six. And where do you live? In Ohio. And what is your favorite book? Elephant and Piggy books. And who are they by? Mo Willems. And why do you like the Elephant and Piggy books? Because they're really funny. And what's your name? Rosie. And how old are you? Four. And where do you live? Um... In Ohio. And what's your favorite book? Nibbles. And why is Nibbles your favorite book? Because it's funny. And what is Nibbles? What does he do? He up books. He's a book monster. And he's a book monster. <laughs> yeah. Hi, my name is Jackie, and I'm seven years old, and I live in Carol, South Carolina, and my favorite book is Miss Piggle Wiggle. I like it because the kids have their bad habits, and Miss Piggle Wiggle cures them. Hi, my name is Katie. <laughs> Can't the Yeah, how old are you? <laughs> Three. Where do you live? In South Carolina. And what's your favorite book right now? Sandy, dig a hole. Mm, why is that your favorite? Because it has the treasure in it. The treasure in it? Mm-hmm. Hi, my name is Sammy, and I am five years old. My favorite book is Princess Sylvia and the Six Wands. It's not my favorite because it has princesses in it, and I like princesses. My name is Russell. I am 11 years old and I live in Pennsylvania. My favorite book is The Chronicles of Narnia, book one, The Magician's Nephew. I like it because they can teleport through worlds using the rings. Hello, my name is Viviana Robertson. I am eight years old. I live in Erie, Pennsylvania. My favorite book is Because of Winn-Dixie because I like Winn-Dixie because he's a funny dog and I like the way he smiles. My name's Sarah Grace. I am six, and I um, live where in Pen- Erie, Pennsylvania. What's your favorite like book? Winnie the Pooh. What I think about it is re- is that Winnie the Pooh tries to get the uh, um, honey from the tree. Well, what's your name? Um, Faith, Mariah. and where do you live? Um, in at Pennsylvania. Okay. How old um, are you? Um, four. And what's your favorite book? Um, Top Baby Shortcake. Why do you like Strawberry Shortcake? Because it's, 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 I like the page where, where, where who gets so excited.
0: <laughs> I loved Strawberry Shortcake when I was a child, too, so I understand. Hey, in two weeks, I'll be back with another episode this time with special guest Mem Fox. She is beloved and world-renowned children's book author. You are familiar with some of her books, I promise. (laughs) She's also the author of a wonderful book for parents called Reading Magic, and we're going to talk about it. It's a great conversation. I cannot wait to share it with you. So meet me back here in two weeks, and we'll do that. If you haven't yet, be sure to go to readaloudrevival.com slash quiz or text quiz to 33777 so I can give you a personalized book recommendation. Well, until next time, folks, go make meaningful and lasting connections with your kids through books. Are you still here? Okay, well, I am too. And I wanted to check to see if you've had a chance to download the samples from RAR Premium yet. RAR Premium is committed to helping you become the peaceful, happy mom you're called to be so that your kids know deep in their bones that you just love homeschooling them and also so that they can become lifelong voracious readers. Get a free sample of RAR premium by going to readaloudrevival.com slash sample or by texting the word RAR sample like it's one word all squished together (laughs) to the number 33777.